Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Views expressed here are not supported by and do not reflect those of the Even Rush Network. Viewer's discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Plugged, featuring Molly and Joe, and our special guest for this season, Zachariah. Welcome back, Brother Zach. Always good to have you. Always good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, maybe looking at us and saying, well, where's Brother Molly? He's dealing with some things right now. We send our blessings out to him. So as they say, the show must go on. So um, coming up for tonight's show, we are talking about Fathering While Black, The Importance of Black Fathers and American Endangered Species. We're going to do our Paying Homage segment, of course, and we are going to do our current event segment. We have a lot in store for y'all. Stay tuned. Um, Continue to watch us on our platforms, Amazon Music, Pandora, Stitcher, Podchaser, TuneIn, Reasons Podcast, Google Podcast, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Anchor.fm, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Cloud, iTunes Podcast, the Evening Rush Network.com, and also the Evening Rush Network app, which is available on iOS and Android. That's a lot of stuff that we have going on, you know. So we got a lot of channels, folks. So there's no excuses for why y'all not watching us. <laughs> I mean, we got to be everywhere. You, you know, these are messages that need to be heard. So at the same time, if any of y'all like the content you're hearing and uh, you feel this is something that needs to be shared, by all means, please do share it on any of the social platforms or any of the channels that uh, where people can find us easiest. Absolutely. Well, Brother Zach, um, we are in December. Um, yeah. And I don't know how it is in California, but in New York, we're just starting to get a little bit of that uh, winter chill, if you will. But it was almost yeah. 60 degrees today. So yeah. is it December or is it late October? I don't know what to think right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, everything's warmer than it, it usually is from what I'm hearing everywhere. By this time, when I used to live in Brooklyn, I remember the hawk be out at this time. Oh, yes. Oh, man. You I can't go you. out without a scarf over your face. That's right. I tell these kids, your ears are going to break off. Yeah. <laughs> That's how cold it felt when yeah. I was growing up. So you had to always stay covered. How was your week, brother? How was it going? Like what what's Good. what's happening? Anything new? Good. Um, few new things I I'm I'm trying to move into motion. Um, you know, I don't want to talk about it until I actually got things going, but um some projects I'm working on are gonna take a little more time to to actually, you know, grow to fruition. But um every day's a grind, you know. Gotta stay, put keep your nose to the grindstone. So my father used to say. 
Trust me, I know a lot about that. This is usually that busy time of year where the holidays and stuff starts packing up. So I get oh, a lot yeah. of business. I get a lot of like, you know, because I work in education system. So right before the holidays, this is when we get that last rush and everybody wants to be nice and friendly. So we get all these different projects and programs and things of that <laughs> nature. So yeah, I've been I've been keeping my nose to the grind as well. So I totally right. understand. Normally when we talk about a little bit of sports, but uh, no resident Nick fans here today or Nets fans in attendance <laughs> other than our producer behind the scenes. <laughs> but um, what we're going to do is we are going to talk about something that occurred today um, with two Tampa Bu- uh, Bay Buccaneers players being suspended for falsifying their uh identify uh identification with the vaccine so pretty much what they did was they didn't tell people they were vaccinated they weren't vaccinated and they had cards or some type of um fake what, id was it an actual like um you know counterfeit thing going on or was it it's just well, a misrepresentation so i don't misrepresentation, know that... misrepresentation of their vaccination so meaning that they weren't vaccinated but they weren't telling people they were vaccinated but in okay. the league you had to yeah. be vaccinated and follow right. protocols and well, I just wanted I just wanted to clear up that part because uh, I see a lot of people talking about it and saying well you know that's jail time and that's a penalty for anyone else they should be happy that that's all they got you know but if was it a real counterfeit card there because then if it wasn't you can't actually say that that's a jail time kind of thing it would be exactly the same thing Aaron Rodgers did no yeah and that's where oh. the that's where people are being very quiet because if you realize, I mean, they've all lied about their vaccination status. Mm-hmm. The thing, the difference that Aaron Rodgers did is that he talked, he didn't tell people he was vaccinated. He said he was immunized from the disease. Mm-hmm. He never said he was unvaccinated or not. Yeah. Which, and at the same and his, time, he was unvaccinated. So he was yeah. still unfollowing protocols, but he found a way to loophole the NFL. Yeah. But. Yeah. My issue is looking at the penalties. He was only fined $15,000. These other two players, Antonio Brown and Mike Edwards, were fined three. No, they weren't fined. They were suspended for three games. Three games. Three games. Yeah, and I, I read the article, so I'm thinking to myself, it, it says that they did not contest. They did not file for an appeal, right, because, to the charges, Right. So now I'm looking at from behind the scenes of imagining what goes on with white players and black players. And Aaron Rodgers could, you know, as you said, quote unquote, find that loophole. Right. And loophole the NFL, basically. But would that be possible for these two black players or are they told behind the scenes by their agents, by their coaches and the staff to don't say nothing, just go along with it, accept the penalty? That's what I think happened. To be yeah. honest with you, I think that they were told not to you know, make it a big deal right. because of things like this. Because you wonder, like, were the penalties really that bad to where they yeah. deserve three suspension games? And if they were that bad, why didn't Aaron Rodgers get the same penalty? Yeah, that's that's the issue here. I right. think we know why. We I think need- we know why. <laughs> yes, we do, yeah. and we can speak on that all day. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we still have more stuff to talk about. Yeah. So what we are going to do now is we're going to move on to our one of our favorite top um one of our favorite themes of the night of our show, uh paying homage to the ancestors. So I guess I'll start first, like I told okay. you, where I'm the guy that comes up to the back, comes up to back, yeah. out the yeah. park. So the first leg. 
<laughs> I'm feeling very revolutionary this week. So we I'm going to be talking about boss man himself, Fidel Castro. Fidel All Castro. Right. Yes. Now, you're looking at me and saying, well, Fidel Castro was Cuban. But I'll okay. explain why I picked Fidel Castro. He was a Cuban revolutionary lawyer and politician who was the leader of Cuba from 1959 to 2008, serving as the prime minister from 1959 to 1976 and president from 1976 to 2008. He was uh, born in Brian Oriente, the son of a wealthy Spanish farmer. He adopted leftist and anti-imperialistic ideas while studying at the law, while studying law at the University of Havana. He he uh, did a lot of things with his brother Raul Castro, Ernesto Che Guevara, Gu mm -hmm. sorry, yeah. who was another very famous revolutionary. Mm -hmm. And he uh, was very responsible for starting a guerrilla war against uh, forces in Sierra Maest Maestra. Sorry. Mm -hmm. um, one of the most famous wars. I won't even call it a war. It was more of a, a, a sequence of events that Castro was known for is the Bay of Pigs in 1961, where Russia came apart and told the United States that we are going to uh, give Cuba some missiles to bomb the United States since they were so close in age. But Castro was on the side of the Americans at the time. And he had a lot of influences here in the United States. I know particularly in New York around that time, he would come to Harlem a lot. There's Ooh. a very famous story about Fidel. He would stay at the Apollo Theater. I mean, next to the Apollo Theater, the Hotel Teresa. And he used to bring live chickens with him. Wow. Yeah. And he was very close to Adam Clay and Powell Jr., very close to Malcolm X, very close to um, a lot of uh, politicians of that time in the 1960s. So as a lot of... Um, as a lot of famous, um, I guess you want to call them communists, if you will, because that's what they described him as, a communist. America tends to label them as enemies, as the yeah. enemy. And yeah. Fidel Castro was very supportive of a lot of African values and a lot of African strategies. Like he didn't like Western civilization culture. Mm -hmm. So when you have guys like Muammar Gaddafi, Nelson Mandela, who yep. were uh, also against those type of uh, ideals and were also seen as enemies to the United States, you know, just because their beliefs were different from the United States was. So I picked Fidel Castro because he was a strong person who stood for what he believed in until the day he died and did not let the power of the almighty U.S. of A get in his way and and, and, and change his country. And kudos yes. to Brother Fidel for doing that, LFA. Yes, yes, yes. Give it up, Fidel Castro. Yeah, and I, I think that's uh, uh, what you mentioned about anybody that goes against, you know, the quote-unquote democracy or the system, you know, uh, Western culture, uh, Western civilization. I don't know if these even should be called that. Um, I think you'd be labeled the enemy. You call the communists. You call you know like socialism and communists is so bad, but democracy is so great. But from what I understand, certain things about communism and socialism is that the rich 
have to give up a certain amount of money to the poor so that we don't have homelessness and hunger. You know what I mean? And I don't know about the other facets of it that are that are not so good, but I don't see how democracy is just so great when this is something that, you know, it's based on the majority rules. And obviously the majority is not in favor of the minority, right? Or the quote unquote minorities. But so guys like him, yeah, I think he definitely needs to be highlighted. So that was great. Um, me, moving along. Um, I'm going to pay homage this week to Bob Marley. Um, Robert Nesta Marley, um, you know, icon, legend. Um, he's considered like a revolutionary and also, you know, the pioneer of reggae music. Um, and he fused different styles of reggae music like ska and um, uh, with those rock steady you know, and, and brought his own style to reggae music. And actually he helped formulate what reggae music has become today. And he's basically, you know, the guy to, to, to follow. You know, not only that, I think one of the best descriptions that I've heard about who Bob Marley was and what he embodies was from that movie, I Am Legend, when Will Smith is explaining to, the, to you know, his, um, his uh, co-star that um, he believed that you could actually cure racism and hate by injecting peace and love into people through music. And that's, if you listen to his music, he stood up for the people that didn't have a voice. His lyrics were always in defense of the oppressed. And at the same time, he made other songs that were, um, you know, all for peace and love and unity. But he couldn't, it's like you cannot just not speak of if anything, I think all singers and musicians have a platform to change the world and perception because music is a powerful tool. Art is a powerful tool where we can express ourselves, but also use it to influence people in a positive way. And that's what Bob Marley embodied truly as, a, as an artist, as a, as a singer. Um, and so I just want to share some of his lyrics that I think some of that, some, some people would even call him one of our modern day prophets. And, you know, I would agree. And just to give a little history on him, you know, um, so he was born to um, uh, a white father, black mother. Um, his father was uh, Norville Sinclair Marley and his mother was Sedella Malcolm. His father was actually from England. And so when we hear his music, he stood up for African nations. He stood up for Jamaica. He stood up for the oppressed black culture, but he was also for unity. And when he asked about it in an interview, he said, you know, because his father was white, you know, he could not neglect his black roots and not speak about these, these issues that were, you know, affecting the black community in so negatively and his people being oppressed. He felt that was his job and that was his whole mission, why he wanted to be a musician. But at the same time, he had to preach, you know, love and peace because he was the product of, you know, um, you know, a biracial marriage, you know, and and so it's. I agree with a lot of his views. So I'm gonna go straight to these lyrics that that I have here. One of my favorite songs, and it's called Babylon System, and I think this is one song that is still relevant to what's going on today. So he says, "We refuse to be what you wanted us to be." 
We are what we are. That's the way it's going to be. If you don't know, I'm speeding it up, of course. You can't educate I for no equal opportunity. Talking about my freedom, people freedom and liberty. Because we've been trotting on the wine press much too long. Rebel, rebel. And then he goes on to say, Babylon's system is the vampire sucking the children day by day. The Babylon system is the vampire falling empire sucking the blood of the sufferers. Building church and university, deceiving the people continually. Me say them graduating thieves and murderers. Me say, look out now, they suck in the blood of the sufferers. And then he goes on to repeat the same line eight times. Tell the children the truth. Tell the children the truth. Stop lying and miseducating our children. Right. You know, and then he finished off the song with, from the very day we left the shores of our father's land, we've been trampled on, rebel. You know, and, and, and this, is, this is what we're seeing today as people become more quote unquote woke, that when we start to study the history of this country and everyone starts to study the history of where we come from, we will find that we all actually have the same origin. And we've been taught by the powers that be, by the system, to hate each other because of differences in the way we look and where we and where our ancestors come from. And Bob Marley was not standing for that. He was not having that. And um, that was just one song that I felt like embodied is the last thing I'm gonna finish off with in an interview. He said, the guy says, so you, you, you think you, um, are you, are you rich? Did you make a lot of money off your music? And he said, well, you call it rich. And he said, you know, do you have a lot of money in the bank? You know, do you have a lot of assets? He said, he said, no, I mean, I had that kind of richness. He said, my richness is life, you know? So, and I think that just embodied also who he really was. He was doing it for a purpose. He wasn't about the money. Money would never change him. And that's why he died a legend. And he, and his sons are doing a very great job of carrying on his legacy, Damien, Stephen, um, Kimani, you know, Ziggy. So many. He had a lot of kids, but you so know. Many. You know, Bob Marley is one of my heroes, one of my inspirations. Me being oh, of descent, of being of Jamaican descent, Bob Marley is somebody that I truly wish I had been around to see and experience. So, uh, and applause to Brother Bob Marley. We appreciate you. So, our next step of the day: uh, current events, Kala. I mean, we kind of gave you a sample of it, but now we get to go into the real nitty gritty of it. If you will. So we got a couple of topics here. We're going to talk about um, something that just happened recently yesterday. Um, the wife of powerful producer Clarence Avant, Jacqueline Avant, was shot and killed during a home invasion. She was 81 years old. Um, it's one of those situations where, you know, Clarence Avant, he's known as the black godfather, you know, mm -hmm. he was involved in so many different things around Hollywood and political things in life. You know, if you've mm -hmm. never seen the documentary based on the black godfather, you must, and you'll see what type of impact he had on this in life. You know, I haven't, so, I'm going to watch that. You have to watch it. And you'll be like, I didn't know he was that powerful. Cause a lot of people don't know who he is, but yeah. he's responsible for so much and not just in music. I'll, 
around the world. And people were like, Clarence Avon, who, who's that? But right. I saw it and I was just stunned at what I saw because I didn't know that that man had that type of reach. He, yeah. uh, you know, um, with, I, it's hard. I to would understand. say that's related. I would say it's related to who he was. I don't never, you know, these stories to me are just so strange and popping about the blue all home invasion all of a sudden, you know, I don't know. Right. I mean, I just don't think it's random because of somebody that was known. It had to be inside or it had to be something that was set up. This is not Clarence Avon is one of those people that you would not go after him if you knew who he was. Right, and she doesn't have bodyguards on on premises at home. She doesn't have secure some type of security security system. Like what had to be some type of inside job. Somebody left the door open. Somebody took a night off. I don't know. That's just I'm always that conspiracy theory guy. But you know, people well, that are that powerful, I think there's always some behind it. Well, as of today, um, as, as of a couple of hours ago, they arrested a 29 year old man with the okay. that was in connection with them. Um, his name was Ariel Maynard. And he mm-hmm. entered the the estate, and he's accused of entering the estate and shooting and killing Jacqueline Avon. Mm-hmm. So they don't have a motive for it, you know. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, they yeah. don't have a motive for it, and there's really no answer right now. Like they, they really don't know why he would do that. Like, what's his purpose? If somebody sent him to do it, like it's unknown. Yeah. But I know uh, Miss Jacqueline had a lot of very powerful connections. You know, she was on the head of UCLA board and wow. you know, she had a very like she had a very like she was very prestigious in Hollywood in Los Angeles. Mm. So Man. maybe that had something to do with it, but we don't know. But yeah, um, when we will find out 20 years from now. Right. I'm glad they were able to find somebody on it and hopefully yeah. the charges will stick. But yeah. and hopefully we'll find out why he was able to commit a crime like that, you know, because it's well, just, I mean, hopefully the charges will stick if it's actually the right guy that did it. You know? and, and that's what I'm yeah. saying, like, yeah. you know, or he can lead them to the persons or the reasons. Right. Why, you yeah. know, there we go. So that and that's what it is. So um, uh, rest in power, Jacqueline Avant, and uh, hopefully your legacy will continue. I'm sure. Uh, Yes, hopefully they do have the right person because we've heard and we've seen this story in the wrong way too many times. Oh yeah. Uh, so our next story uh, was kind of recent and there's not really too much depth to it, um, but uh, a, a police officer from Tucson, Arizona was fired after fatally shooting a man in a wheelchair. Uh, the man was accused of stealing something from like a Walmart or uh, uh, one of those type of real estate chains. And the police officers saw a man in a wheelchair as a threat to kill him. That's crazy. Like, what type of times are we in right now where people in wheelchairs are considered threats? Yeah, man. A man can't walk. Like, are, 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 are the authority really scared of people in that? Do they really fear us that in that way? I mean, uh, I, and not to bring in a whole nother story, but there wasn't there another kid that was just shot with going in his house with two Subway sandwiches in his hand? Yes, yes. I mean, I come on, man. Like, like, this has happened all, all too often, man. And, like, you know, I mean, I don't know, man. At some point, there has to be some type of, you know, I don't know, something done about it. I can't. 
I can't fathom these type of stories, you know, because it's the same thing every time you hear about it. Like, I, I, I always say this. I say times will never change because we'll always be given material because the same things happen. People are scared of us. We're target practice. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. They need to show an example, to show their authority, to show their strength. Yes, it's and a show of authority. Yeah, it's like a reminder. Don't forget where you're at. Don't forget what we can. That's why I, I hate and I can't stand when I hear people say, come on, man, they can't do that. Listen, they do what they want to do. That's right. And you know. nobody's going to challenge them. And if no. you do challenge them, trust me, you're going to hear about it. Yeah, you're so, going to lose. You're going to lose. You know, I think that we have to. That's why we have to be so smart. We have to be like 10 levels ahead, 10 levels up on our approach to how we do things and educate our children, man. Like I was just telling my wife the other day, we have to have a conversation when our kids get older about the proper code of conduct if you get pulled over by a cop. Or if you walking alone in the streets, absolutely. You know what I mean. Do you think so. they care if they if their hair is soft like mine? They don't care. They don't care. If you ain't white, you the target. You know well, what I mean. I've had, well, I, I've had stories where not even when they're by themselves, if they're with other people who are mm -hmm. of different complexions, the police officers will go to them single and them out. They're okay and single them other people out. I'm a witness. I've I'm a seen witness. that done in person, and it infuriated me. I'm a and witness, that, <laughs> and that's one of the things that I've never, uh, I, I've never been a fan of. Like, I, I, that's one of the reasons why I don't, you know, I not that I don't fear authority, but I don't take them seriously because it, as much. Listen, as let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I have been um, not designated driver according to who's drinking. I have been designated driver according to who I'm hanging out with on purpose just because i know it's safer right for all of us you know which is a sad have to do just think about that you know what i mean that's crazy that we live in that type of society well um we'll get more information on the story and i'm pretty sure as soon as time uh progresses itself we'll hear more details and more facts so we'll probably come across this story again um, another story I wanted to bring to a topic that I do know more about because it's there is we I'm speaking of the young man out of uh, New Rochelle, the track star in high school. He transferred from Iona Preparatory oh. High School, a very prestigious high school up here in New York in, in, in New York. I knew I knew a couple of people who went to Iona Prep back in the day and they were very powerful, a very big powerhouse up here in the NYC area. And what happened was the young man, um, oh gosh, I'm trying to, Tony Humphreys, um, he was committed to playing baseball at Boston College. He had a scholarship. He was ready after when he graduated. He would have been accepted full ride. But what happened was he decided to play track during the science, uh, during the uh, summer season. And one of the assistant directors, uh, athletic directors, came up to him and asked him why he was doing track. He told him it never hurts to gain speed because he wanted to keep his conditioning going, which is smart if you're a baseball player. The Ooh. educator told him that he was already fast enough and he had a reason uh, because he gained his speed from running from the cops. The police. Oh gosh. How do you tell a 16-year-old black man that? That's crazy. Knowing how, how, how sensitive this environment is. 
Yeah, I'm not even going to say that's, that goes into, like, people that don't know it. They're, they're just born with that white privilege, and they don't understand. He understood what the hell he was doing when he said that. Of course. Like, yeah. it's just insensitive, but that goes to show you how people are not insensitive to the fact of what we do. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, with Tony Humphreys, what he did was they transferred to a nearby high school in the area, and he's going to continue his career elsewhere. And yeah. I'm hoping that other players who received this type of racism within schools and scouts, and I know a lot of high, young high school kids that used to play football and baseball and run track, and I'm pretty sure they have stories. So, um, Brother Tony, continue your legacy, and you have people around you to support, okay? There you go. Same here. Good move. Smart move. Yes, very smart. We're going to our next segment before our commercial. We're going to go to our Know What I Meme segment. So, nah, meme. It's going to be very Know What I Meme. Uh, this is where the, the uh, speaks for itself. We don't have to talk about it, but we will. <laughs> uh, mm, this is uh, a little bit taboo in sorts. Um, I, I saw this, and I mean, we talk about it historically all the time. This is the white European uh, power praying yeah. acknowledging the black African power. Yeah. So there's a lot of volumes in this message. And I saw that and I said, you know what? More people need to understand. I mean, he knows where it's coming from, but we don't. <laughs> and yeah. we need to understand that's who they pray to. Yeah. I mean, that's I, I, I power from. I always say, you know, and this is a touchy subject, politics and religion. I always say, if you're going to talk about uh, religion, we have to talk about history. And that's something that is, you know, whitewashed and shuffled under the rug. So, you know, that's not something they want to talk about. But yes. there it is. Uh, we got another it. one for them, too. Let's see if they can understand this one. Ah. Ah. Queen <laughs> Elizabeth. Yes, Queen Elizabeth uh -huh. and a, a tribal king from Africa. Yeah, King Rahim. What do you think he's telling Queen Elizabeth? <laughs> yeah, he's showing up in full warrior garb. Like, That's yeah, right. it, 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 you respect me, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. or, in the face. or we're looking for our reparations. Or yeah. where's, our, where's our money? Where's our things? Yeah. Like, yeah, you got to be here to collect on our, on our, on our debt. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, these images mean a lot historically, but a lot of people don't understand what they mean. Yeah. And that's why we created this segment, You Know What I Mean, because you know I mean? the meme that we have is going to have some type of thought to it. Nah, meme. Nah, meme. <laughs> so moving forward, we are going to go to our commercial break. Uh, we have a quick uh, message from uh, the Evening Rush Network. And once we come back, we're going to go into our topics for uh, our main topic for the day. Take it away, Mr. Producer. Looking to podcast shows and do not know where to start? The Evening Rush Network can help you with that. Call us at 929-441-2417 or email us at theeveningrushnetwork at gmail.com for dates and prices. We got you for all your podcast needs. The Evening Rush Network. Tune in, subscribe, and share.
What's up, y'all? Your boy Shice, Mr. Talk of the Town, letting you know now the Evening Rush Network now has the app. So catch it on the Google Play and the App Store, and you can catch all your podcasts like the Evening Rush, Let's Talk Crazy, the Queens of NYC, Sex, Love, and Alcohol Plug, TL Mac Fitness, I Am Nicole Clara, on everything and get into the focus and all in one place at the evening rush network app that's right so catch all your favorite shows what are you waiting for download it now welcome back welcome back to part two of our show we are sponsored by Bala, big apple leadership academy of the arts great organization one of the reasons why we are here today and we really uh, appreciate them for everything they do for us. Absolutely. You can call in to us. Call in 646-309-0421. You can follow us on Instagram at PluggedMJ. You can follow us on Facebook, Plugged with Molly and Joe, and so many other networks that I've explained. We are on Amazon, Pandora, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Instagram, Anchor FM, Spotify, Mixcloud, the Evening Rush Network.com. There's so many of them. <gasps> Sorry. <laughs> and, and they have a there's an app for that. By the I way. know, right? And then you got to download the Evening Rush Network app as well, which is available on iOS and Android. Now, moving on to our theme for the day Fathering While Black. AKA the importance of fathers, black fathers, and American endangered species. Mm. That's a very dope topic. Um, the reason why I think I was the one that introduced that theme this week mm. is because we've been hearing so much about black fathers and their contributions or non-contributions to the success of this of their uh, spawn or their children. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have been singling out um, or just criticizing the support. Is it really something that is granted or is something that's necessary? And we know in history time and past times, uh, the idea of the Black father has been a myth at times. Mm-hmm. But there are also some times where he's looked at and villainized for his success or for the success of his siblings. So what we're going to do now is we're going to talk about some of the challenges of fatherhood. Um, Fatherhood, um, the father's role in the family is not taken seriously. I know growing up around a lot of people, like I said, the father was a myth. Father wasn't always around. The reason for that is because father was always working father was trying to support the family so you can't be two places at once and then when the father was there it was it was deemed as if the father wasn't around ever right you know he they would just show up in and out in some cases that might have been true but in a lot of cases that was not you know and other uh, cultures that come from the outside won't see it as such or they may have similar experiences but their father's are not talked about that much because these themes are only brought up when we're talking about the, ch- uh, the challenges of the black father, you know, uh, single versus multi-parent homes and the impact of fatherly presence on child behavior and development. 
I could speak to that one personally because as a child, I feel a lot of my personal behaviors were the way they were because of my lack, the lack of time I had to spend with my dad. And once I was able to acquire that time, my behaviors definitely changed. I got better. I was able to do more things and acknowledge myself. Yeah. So. Well, from speaking from my perspective, um, obviously I didn't have a black father and I'm not a black father. I am a father. And I grew up in a home where I was raised by a single father uh, due to circumstances. My mother wasn't there, wasn't uh, you know able to be there. And uh, for those of you that don't know me, you know, I'm the son of one of the few uh uh, I won't. I won't even say white, but non-black um, civil rights activists. You know of of the civil rights movement in the '60s, and my father did a lot of things. You know, he was a freedom rider, and um, he raised me and my brother. You know, with views that you know um, that cross color boundaries. You know, and didn't taught us. You know, with values that. You know, I, I, he's probably one of the strongest and most humble men I knew, you know, that, that I have to live up to. And I always say if I could live up to half of who he was, I would have accomplished a great feat in life. So my experience is a little different. I had the father present. I didn't have a mother, you know, and because he had to be out working all the time, I spent most of my time growing up in the streets. You know, and, uh, and and don't get me wrong, he did a great job. He put us in all kind of programs and stuff. But I think what we, we keep into the topic of what this show is about today, you know, the black father is an endangered species, and it, this presence is missed and 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 uh, sometimes ridiculed because of what the system has done to the black family and ripping it apart from the inside out. And I think that's part of the agenda to tear the household up from the inside out. So something that um, you know, that's been happening for centuries now, and especially mostly in the last hundred years, how our society has changed to, like, like for instance, this is the only time in, in the last 20 years that um, women or the mother of the household is higher, higher educated and makes more money than the male of the household, you know, if he's present, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, uh, you can continue to, to move on through the through the bullet points of the topic. And, and then I, I will drop in and chime in why these things are happening. You know, what specifically the tactics that, that are being put in place in not necessarily just minority communities, but specific, specifically targeted at the black man. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I saw a couple of our viewers uh, making comments in regards to the topics. The streets definitely did make us in regards to, I'll say the father and the child. You know, most of the fathers raised the streets, were raised from the streets, and that's how they were able to make ends meet. You couldn't get government assistance as a black man or a father because it wasn't provided. So you had to find other means to support your family. Sometimes well, they end either jail or in dead, you know, but that was what was available to us. Okay, so let's talk about the reasons why, you know, because that doesn't just happen. Like, you can't just blame, you know, somebody. See, like, it, there, there's two things going on here. There's the product of circumstance and there are systematic agendas at hand that have created a certain environment or the lack of a certain environment in the in the black household in this country. And 
there is also, you know, the other side of it, whereas we can't just be victims to the system all the time. You have to do something to fight against it at all times, you know. And so uh, to, to just give an example. OK. Uh, and, and Dr. Umar speaks about this and which, you know, may sound odd looking at my complexion or if you on radio and you don't hear me. I've already said, you know, I was my father's um, was the non-black civil rights activist, but, um, you know, he states that the deindustrialization of the school system and the workforce in this country is what started it all as part of the agenda to tear the household up from the inside out. So let me get into specifics of that. How do you deindustrialize the high school or school system? Well, back in the 50s and 60s, you could graduate from high school as a certified mechanic, a certified plumber, a certified carpenter, a certified iron worker. And these were all jobs that provided an income to where a man could actually support his family on his own. Right. Which gives top amount of respect for a man that's doing his job, providing for his household. Right. So when they took that out of the schools, now men, specifically black men that can't afford to go to college because now you need a college degree to get those kind of jobs and make that type of money to be able to support your family. Or you have to resort to or or. Um, revert to getting a job that doesn't pay as much money. And now what that does is the woman either has to go out and work and somebody else got to raise your kids, grandmas or, or, or daycares or whatever. And, or, or she has to get help from uncle Sam from welfare. And both of those situations is going to cause her to lose respect for her man. And he's struggling if he's trying to do it the right way. And even if he says, you know what, I can't do that, man, you know, fuck that. I got to go and get mine for my family. He might revert to a, a life of crime, which is also readily available and easy for him to access because the ghettos are flooded or black communities, I would say, are flooded because ghettos are created by the government, not the inhabitants. They are flooded with guns and drugs. And that lifestyle is promoted so that they can. It's, like a, it's almost like a mousetrap to set him up to go to jail so that he's not present in the household. And now when he's gone, she, the, the mama's teaching the kid, well, your daddy ain't shit and this and this and this. And the kid grows up w under a mother that can't teach him how to be a man. And he's been hearing that his daddy ain't shit his whole life. And before you know it, he doesn't want to be a man. So either he grows up with a man with issue as a man with issues and follows the same pattern that his father did, or he's got to revert to put sitting his tail between his leg and take this job that ain't paying much and, and, and be a victim to the system. So what's the wins here? How many opportunities are not being, you know, how we're taken away for this situation to take place? And this is what has happened to the American black household. And now black fathers are looked upon. If they're, look, look, I remember my buddies, uh, 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 one, one of my brothers uh, came, came home from jail and his probation officer came to visit and he saw a father and mother present. He said, well, you the father? He said, well, you know, he said, I never come to a household where the father is present in a black household where the father is still there. And it blew his mind, the probation officer, you know. And so just to show you, those are statistically proven that there's reasons and there's there's an agenda at hand to remove the black father. So, yes, is it an endangered species and women and, and black men need to you know, step up and play the part. All men, I have to do the same in my household. You know, I, I, I sometimes if I get in an argument with my woman and, and I'm telling her, listen, we're not going to be victims to this system. They want you to raise your, your kids by yourself. 
They don't want my kids to have a man present, regardless of my color. My kids are going to be raised black because they have black. This country says if you have black, if you one eighth, if you one sixteenth, one thirty two of a fraction black, you black. That's right. You know what I'm, <laughs> so I'm raising black sons. So I have to be there. You know, so so we have to work it out regardless, no matter what. And that's how I'm doing in my household. And this is what black families have to do together. You have to stick together. You have to make it work. You, you have to recognize that the system is designed to tear you apart and you have to be smarter than them. You cannot allow yourselves to be victims and allow the black father to be taken away because who's going to suffer most is the sons. So black men do what you got to do. Black woman, give your black man support. Love him. Yes, men need love, too. Of course, you know, and that's one of the things that we don't talk about enough as far as the uh, mental health and emotional health of the man, not just yeah. black man, but man, period. You know, everything is thrown under the bus because we're deemed as something is taboo. You yeah, know, and, so and that's something. that's that's where we can't hold on to the victim mentality. We have to get to the point of revolutionaries and fight back. And yeah, it's good that I brought Bob Marley today. One quote that he said after he got shot and gunned down two days later, they tried to prevent him from performing. And he got on stage two days later. And you know what he told the crowd? He said, the devil and I take a day off. How can I? That's right. So forget about paying yourself the victim. Yeah, we know the system is designed against us. And I'm in this fight with you. But you know what? We got to do something about it. We got to be smarter than them. You got to educate yourself. Now, fuck the school system. You got to educate yourself to get around the, the rules that are bent to make to keep you down. Absolutely. I love the fire that you're bringing. One of the things um, I've always said is that I never like being a, a victim of the struggle narrative. We know why the struggle narrative was created. That's and right. that goes a lot to what you said. We know why the neighborhoods were created to bring this stuff so that the struggle would, because people profit off a of struggle. Hence uh, athletes, hence sports players. Though they pay more attention to the struggle stories than they do anything else, because that's, that's right. what sells. They oh, wait, 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 wait. Joe, it looks like we're getting the caller. Okay. Uh, come on in, caller. Let's see what you did, what this is. Oh, let's go, let's go. Love to hear what somebody has to say about this topic. Come on in, caller. Are you there? Okay. Uh, okay when well, the caller when wants it, to answer, when he they can get plugged in. Yeah. All right. So here's what we're gonna do. So let's. So what we did was we talked about <laughs> we talked about the next steps in regards to um, not even steps, but uh, the next topics. Like, child, these are challenges that work uh, that were specifically made to relate to us. You know. Unequal access to aid and government programs, transgenerational influence, and oh embedded abandonment issues developed. We talked a little bit about that during the meeting last night, and we said that um, it goes back to slavery. Absolutely. When they broke down the black family, we talked. We talked about how the black men were seen. Uh, the slaves were put in positions where they had to watch their sons get uh raped their mothers and yeah. to, to just to show them that they didn't have where they were on the total pole of life 
So what does that do, though? That causes the mother that's getting raped by her son to despise her own son. That's making the son grow up with this shame. He can't even look his mama in the eye no more. That's causing her to hate her husband because she, she he didn't die for it and trying, right. to, trying to prevent it. You know what I mean? Or maybe he did die for it. And she's still mad at him because he couldn't help. And no, nobody, no other men jumped in to help. So now the black woman hates the black man. Right. You know, and, and, and we see the results of that today in our society to where now it's like this is the, uh, there was a, a meme or I don't know if it was a mean meme that was posted in, in the chat. And it said, how do you how do you control a people? And it said you pit them against each other. Yes. Uh, Brother Amos Wilson, he said, how do you control how do you uh, control people or control a group of people? You, yeah. you said you separate them and you make them hate each other. That's right. And that's what it was done. So, so let's talk about that word. What, what is transgenerational influence? Because this is scientifically proven, you know, when, when DNA is studied and psychological and, and, um, and, and emotional behavior is studied in the modern day black man. For instance, a black man sees a police officer or hears sirens and automatically his heart starts beating fast. His adrenaline levels are, are risen. And this was according to studies and tests that had been done. You know, they show a, a black child certain images and automatically, like the doll test, they Absolutely. show the black child, the white doll and the black doll. They said, which one is good? Which one is bad? Yeah, the black yeah. child pointed to the white, the white doll and said, this one's good. Which one's the smart one? The white dog. Right because yep. it's been brainwashed, not just by their generation of what they saw. The kids are only four and five years old. This is transgenerational. It's in the DNA that when that child, when that pregnant woman was watching the slave master throw up babies for target practice while she's pregnant, that trauma that she felt, the baby felt it. And he came out with this innate fear of the white man. And that goes on for generations, man. This is not something people have to be empathetic to the plight of a people that suffer some of the most heinous crimes, you know, to 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 a, 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 a race or, or, or an attempted genocide or the control of a, I don't like to use the word race, but of a people, you know, but then we also have to look at. Yes, it's transgenerational uh, influence, but I personally believe that hate. Oh, hold on. Before I go far. Let's go to Carla. Come on, Carla. Come on, plug in. Go on, I speak up. I can't hear you, Carla. Speak up. Oh, man. Technical difficulties. There you go. It's okay. We're going to get them on eventually. We're going to get them on eventually or her on eventually. So yeah. call them whenever you're ready and just make sure your volume's up so we can hear you. Yeah. So as you, you were saying, um, um, what is what what, what what you say? You're not going to say it's only transgenerational influence. No, it's not only trans uh, generational influence. And the reason why I say that, because I personally believe people are taught to hate. Oh, yeah. It's not something that's an innate thing. No, you can't teach. I've seen images of one or two year old babies of different races playing with each other. And they don't care that they're white or they're black or they're whatever their race is. But they're um, that famous video, that famous video that went viral where the white kids running down the street to hug this, this little black toddler. Yeah, is it's, it's, it's a human innate feeling to love everyone. 
Oh, hate you know, hate is something you know, that's taught within life. And that's the that's part of the issue as well. So as long as hate is being taught or used as a lesson or a, 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 a skill, that's what's going to innate to these feelings that we have as well. So yes, there's transitional, uh, transgenerational influence because of the fact that we have a history of this stuff happening. But the source of the transgenerational uh, influence is that hate is being taught to groups or certain groups of people about other people. No, see what it's what no. Done. Listen, Joe, it's being taught to both sides, and the reason why is because so while it's teaching the white kid to hate the black kid or look down on them as inferior it's also meant to make the black child feel inferior right and then this creates a hate amongst each other because if you despise and you grow up with a sub and a subconscious or unconscious hatred for your own skin color that creates a whole slew of problems that come with that in your household, in your family, in your community, not to only hate each other, but also to look at yourself as not worthy. Absolutely. You know, so what do you, you do? You not strive for those things because you've been taught that you can't. You know what I'm saying? And that's why platforms like this are so important. That's why you hear me getting so passionate. Because my father didn't raise me that way, man. And we need to build ourselves. We need to teach the youth that you can do it. You can you can overcome these transgenerational influences, these 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 uh, brainwashes that they're putting into our children from school. You know, we need to counter that at home. We need to build their minds. We need to create free thinkers. Absolutely. And I mean, one of the examples of of hate or being taught is the Willie Lynch syndrome. Oh, absolutely. You know, we talked about this as well. You know how he pretty much wrote a book on how to create slaves and keep them against each other and keep them in fear of what you would, uh, uh, of what you didn't want and what you, how you wanted things to do, you know, from the slaves to the, um, sorry, from the, uh, the house Negroes to the field Negroes, light skins to the blacks, men yeah. to the woman and uh, divided it up. Stinky hair. Right. And, and that's part of, like you said, that's part of the, transgenerational influence in regards to how we feel about each other now and how we look at our own people, whether they're black, but if they're a different shade or a complexion and we have a way towards them or we say something about them. You know, so, it's so deep. It's so deep that people will talk. Uh, you know, I had to check two youngsters, man. I had to check two youngsters who posted and showed a woman's hair with kinks, you know, a kinky hair woman with, you know, the back of her hair was showing little, little kinky hair. And they said, if she, if she got hair like this in the back, don't wife her. So I checked both of them and I said, man, y'all should be ashamed of yourself because I knew them. I knew both of them. And mm -hmm. I told them, I said, don't, I said, you, you are showing that you are a product of the Willie Lynch syndrome. I said, what are you talking about? I said, I know both of your mothers and they have hair, kinky hair. Why check yourself and watch what you're saying out your mouth. How are you going to tell people to not have pride in their own people? And you sitting here talking junk about your own mother right. unknowingly. Right. Like exactly. what kind of hate has been taught to our children to cause them to joke about this stuff and talk down on it like it's a bad thing when we should be embracing who we come from and showing top respect and honor for the people that paved the way before you that had to endure these struggles and endure this hate 
to make sure you had a life that you could walk around and breathe fresh air. Well, when I hear of situations that young, because I also have similar stories where I have young kids, eight, nine years old, calling people burnt black and, you know, and not understanding of what that means and insulting. And I've had to explain that, like, because I would consider myself to be dark skinned as well. Like, how would you feel if you told that to me? How do you think I would feel? So sure. I've had conversations about uh, recently, and we're talking about, we're, and these are kids that are black and brown kids having these conversations at eight or nine years old. So I'm like, are we really having these conversations? Or, or are you just not understanding of what that would do to the uh, traumatize to somebody? So I personally take offense to those things and I try to correct and I always try to encourage and influence people um, the positives in our complexions and who okay. We well, since it, let's let's lead right into the next topic then. Since you left off, left off with the positives, what about the fathers that were present? What about the fathers nah. that put in that work and it showed because their sons became great? Let's talk about some of those black fathers and give props to them and 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 and, and let it be known that there are examples out there that we can draw from. You know, even though the media not paint that picture. Let's paint that picture and let's let it be known it's a reality. Well, we can talk about the one that started this, in my personal opinion, that started, that brought this topic up, uh, Richard Williams, King Richard, as they call him. The father to Venus and Serena's Williams, two of the greatest tennis players ever in life. And strong black women, I might add. Yes. And the reason and dignified. Why- the reason why I brought this up is because he, uh, after the documentary, the biopic that just came out about him with Will Smith starting, there was so much criticism on if he deserved the praise he was getting. Yeah, that's crazy. But if it was a white father and his daughters was the white great tennis players, would that be, would it be an issue? Absolutely not. And we know why yeah. he was getting that criticism. We know yeah. exactly why. Yeah, and I just think I just think that if it comes from within the same community, that's that's where there's a problem. We need to recognize and give give those fathers the props that they deserve. And he, man, I saw one scene from the movie. He told his daughters in the backseat. I don't know how true this was, or, or if it was just part of the script. But um, he said, "You know what's the one of the most powerful things on this planet?" He said, "A black woman that believes in herself, or something like that." Well, right. Venus and Serena were producers in the film. So Okay, so I'm sure they were quoting. Them. So it, it, was, was it wasn't exactly that way. It was something similar. Exactly. So, another very famous father that got a lot of slack, Joe Jackson. Okay. Okay. Everybody so what he whipped his kids with a switch. Right. And that's really all that was. Yeah. Nine so kids, all of them superstars, never did no drugs, never got yep. to jail. All yep. of them. As powerful as the, 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 the most powerful uh, ent- family entertainment alive. That's right. And one of them became the king of pop, whose, whose, whose legacy will never be matched, you know, whose status will never be matched. He's an icon going down to history. Obviously, his father did something right, regardless of even if he had something to say about how his father raised him. Look how you came up. Look what exactly. you did. And it was because of him. All that right. hard work. That's what I don't like to hear today, too, about kids that grow up in a household. If your father is hard on you, bless God if your father's hard on you. Thank him at the end of the day. Because you should be glad you got a father present that is hard on you. Because that's what it's going to take to make you great. 
So, you know, a promise to Joe Jackson for that, you know, because if we had more Joe Jacksons in this world, who knows where their kids could be? Yeah, and King Richards, who I don't know, what's, what's, what's the last Richard, Richard, Richard Williams. Williams well. Richard Williams. But here's another one that's doing it now. Okay, let's talk. LeVar Ball. Okay. Okay, you mean the man that branded his sons as NBA players and before branded their, their own brand before they were even NBA players? Absolutely, and told okay. them and said, my kids are going to be in the NBA. First round draft picks, all three of them. All three of them were from... Oh, you your sound went out, Joe. Are and you there? Now, oh, there we go. And now they're all balling out. All three sons, first round draft picks at the top okay. of the class. Lamar, sorry, not Lamar, sorry. Um, Lamar. Lavar, that's the father's uh -huh. name. We have Leangelo, Lamelo, mm -hmm. and Lonzo. All yeah, of them yeah. at one point in time. Um, it's just Lamelo is playing out of his mind right now. You know what I mean? With the Charlotte Hornets. He was rookie of the year last year. And we know Lonzo has had some great success as well. And Leangelo is in one of the best leagues in the G League right now, tearing it up. So I saw a picture of LeVar Ball at the game the other night because uh, because Lonzo and uh, LaMelo played each other. <laughs> and he had a hat on that said, I told you so. Uh. So it was like a statement being made, and I was very appreciative of Lonzo's, uh, of LeVar being able to just let people know, I'm here. What I say yeah. goes. And, and this is my legacy. And all my kids are going to be just like this. And so, that's, if, if that story doesn't embody what a father does to make his sons believe that they could be what they set out to be and then actually help make it happen for them. Or like uh, Richard Williams that did that for his daughters. You know, it's so important, especially for black women to grow up with a father in their life, for black men to grow up with a father in their life. And I think this show is very necessary. We might have to revisit this topic again. And But but before we end it off, you know, I want before I give you the last word, uh, uh, Joe, I just want to say that I'm, I'm kind of. Um, I'm kind of distraught that that my man Molly is not here to speak because I knew his father, you know, and and one of a very powerful black father, you know, whose presence, you know, it, it was felt by all and extended beyond his immediate household. And I look at Molly, look who he's become. You know what I mean? Look at the product of it. We're not just talking about superstars and athletes. We're talking about people we know where we've seen this in 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 our own community. You know what I mean? And he's doing, man, I, I take tip my hat off to him to, I don't even wear hats often, but I tip my hat off to him for carrying his father's legacy because um, such a powerful individual, man. And, you know, I've seen him as a father and a teacher. I didn't so. hear, I didn't know the man, but I've heard yeah. stories and I oh, see man. the impact in all of his children and they all think oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. I, I know it would have been somebody that I would have personally loved to have met and learned. Oh from. yeah, I mean you 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 married his daughter, so <laughs> you know. Well, you know well, well, I guess kind of I do kind of know him in, in that. There in you that, go. Life, right? There you go. There you but, go. So I didn't think it would be right not to mention him because Molly's not here, and I know he would have had a lot to add to this topic. You know, absolutely. But what we're gonna do now? 
Ah, Beyonce Beyonce's father. Maybe somebody as well. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Uh, Matthew Knowles is another one. There's so many. So we have to revisit this. Yes. You know, yes. Next time this criticism of a of a of a of a black father comes up. So we will be revisiting yeah. this in the part two sometime soon. And maybe Absolutely. have some people on callers to that that, that know of their own personal stories with their fathers. So yeah. that'll be coming soon. But this was a great show tonight. Um, I'm very appreciative of you being here, Brother Zach. I wish Brother Molly was here as well, but we'll have him on next week, ready to roar and to go with our next topic. Uh, Please continue to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and all of the um, radio podcast um, networks that we've announced earlier in the show. And we will see you next week. Be ready to be plugged in. Peace.